Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Join today. He's a singer and songwriter. It's Dane Lewis. How are you doing today, Dane? Good, Alex. How are you doing today? I'm doing so good. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to being. Talk about where you're from and what you like doing growing up. Uh, I'm from a little small town called Sergeant Bluff, Iowa, which is just south of a bigger city called Sioux City. Um, and I don't know, uh, growing up, I would be farming with dad and stuff like that. But for fun, I guess it was kind of more just goofing off with friends and we would probably try to make YouTube videos and things like that. We're kind of new at the time. So we were kind of doing that, trying to be funny guys. And, um, I don't know, eventually I got into music a little bit. I had a buddy of mine that played guitar and showed me that. And ever since then, I kind of just took to that and ran with it. So living in Iowa, uh-huh. lots of farmland did that kind of made you enjoy the, being outdoors a lot more yeah well if you didn't you were uh you were kind of <laughs> so well so <laughs> but no it was it was good it was it was a really good place to grow up really good people out there and I still love to go back as much as I can so was it like a small town like very small everyone knew each other kind of at yeah the- absolutely uh, it was about six thousand people where I grew up and then um that just north of us was in town of about 80,000 people, but that's still pretty dang small. So you talked about gr- growing up and getting into music. Your friend showed you guitar and things like that. Was music always something that you found interesting before that happened? You know, I mean, I think I had a, a small interest in it, but more or less it was, you know, it was just kind of a different thing or I thought of it in a different light than I do now. Um, I, I always had a, an interest in it and I always enjoyed it as a consumer, but um, I don't know, I guess I didn't really think about becoming a rock star or anything from a young, young age, but I don't know, I guess that it'd be a better question for my folks or something like that. But um, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it, it was always cool. I liked it. Um, I, I'll always enjoyed music. Yep. Yeah, it was always kind of a good therapy and, everything like that. So that's what's been for me as of late too. So what kind of music did you enjoy growing up? I really was into, uh, uh, it's kind of funny now because I've rounded back to it. Uh, I was really into Tom Petty and Shania Twain. And that's kind of where I really still like that stuff. That's what my dad would play in his Lincoln back when we would go to dinners or something like that. He'd put in a Tom Petty tape, the Wildflowers tape, and that's kind of early stuff. Um, Drift Away was my favorite song uh, when I was younger by Dobie Gray. Uh, and then, um, yeah, it was it was always kind of an enjoyable thing to learn a lot of the classic rock stuff. That was kind of where I got most of my footing. It was so funny when you said the two individuals, Shania Twain and Tom Petty, because they're so different. But uh, they're prob- a lot of people can make so many comparisons into those two big oh, sure. legends in the music industry. Absolutely. Is there a specific song from each of them that still plays a special part in you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Honey Bee by Tom Petty was on that Wildflowers album. And so that one still kind of has just a special niche to take me back. And then, um, God, what's the Shania Twain song? Um, I think uh, If You're Not In It For Love, I think that's the one that has like the big dun, 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 dun. I remember hearing that one all the time too. So, I mean, that those songs still have that ability to take me back to, you know, just being a kid in the back seat. But um, yeah, no, I, I still love both those artists and huge, huge fans. So playing the guitar, what did it teach you about yourself? Did it teach you a new skill that you never knew you had in you? Um, 
<laughs> my running joke with everybody is oh, I only play guitar good enough to get paid. And, uh, <laughs> and so, um, yeah, but it, it taught me, it taught me that, um, that if you want to, if you want to really dive into anything or really give, you know, that nothing is given to you, nothing, nobody's a natural. I mean, there's some, you know, outliers, but no one's typically a prodigy at guitar from day one when they pick it up. And I remember I got a guitar. I was really into it for about two months. And then I set it down and didn't touch it again for like a year. So um, initially I was like, I think I was kind of expecting instant results from buying a guitar and thinking that that was just going to happen all of a sudden. But quite the contrary, I set it down and kind of got out of it a little bit. And then I wound up through some stroke of luck. My dad bought me a a Stratocaster for uh, Christmas one year and then I just got dove back in it and started taking lessons and I never put it down since. So it, it, it's a good testament to uh, that. If you really do want something, you really do have to chip away at it through every, you know, every adversity and, and continue to work at it. And you can never be good enough if you want to be good enough at it, I guess. This is kind of a what if situation. If your dad didn't buy you that gift, do you think you would ever have found going back to the guitar and then the I, rest is not going to happen in your career? I, I, I play this game a lot of everything's a stepping stone. You know, everything has its place. I wanted to wrestle really bad. Um, Iowa was a big wrestling state and everything like that. And my dad was worried about, you know, try, that I would be at a young age. I was I think I was in seventh grade. And he, I think he was worried that I was going to be um, starving myself to cut weight or something like that. And then, or that I'd get hurt. Um, and so he actually really, um, propositioned me against wrestling and I, I, I fought him tooth and nail on it. And he goes, why don't you just take some guitar lessons and everything like that? You know, like you bought that guitar. And I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. I think that was kind of just a fad. And I really want to wrestle. And he's like, I really think you should take guitar lessons, but it's your choice. And I said, okay, I want to wrestle. And he goes, take guitar lessons for two weeks. He goes, that's the only thing he goes, if, if, if you don't like it after that, I'll shut up. And then I took the first guitar lesson. I learned a Tom Petty song and I learned a Zeppelin song and I just ran with it from then on. I was, I mean, that was, he was right on that one. So I gave him a lot of credit to, you know, knowing what I really wanted. Cause I mean, I, yeah, wrestling might've been really cool and all that, but I definitely wouldn't be doing it for a living now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, it was it was definitely a insightful uh, turn of events that I wasn't expecting. That's for sure. With doing wrestling, were you trying to prove something to yourself or someone, or trying to see like I should be doing this for a reason? I think I think uh, it goes back to that um, being an Iowa thing. I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of my classmates and a lot of my best friends were really heavy into sports and heavy into wrestling and heavy into football and stuff like that. And I wasn't a huge football fan. I was good at it because I was big, but um, but like I, you know, I saw a lot of my buddies signed up for it that first year they could do it and they absolutely loved it and I was just you know I wanted to fit in with that you know I only had a couple friends maybe that played music and it just wasn't a very prevalent thing at Sergeant Bluff to be a musician it was uh it was sports and everything like that so I think I was kind of following the crowd a little bit uh, too much with that so I'm glad I broke from that (laughs) for sure 
it's almost like music kind of gave you a new identity, not in like a For bad sure. way, but like it kind of sparked yes. something out of you that people maybe didn't see in you at the time. And it's amazing because a lot of people have that secret hidden thing that they love doing and many people don't realize they can do it. Right. And I, I was right there. I didn't realize I could either. And it was, you know, it wasn't overnight with that either, but um it it was I was following the crowd with it a lot, and I'm so glad that I you know I got enlightened to being able to do something different that I wouldn't have expected otherwise. As you're growing up, did you have anyone in your life that was a motivator and inspiration for you? Um, definitely my mom. Um, she was I mean she was fantastic as just a, somebody to talk to all the time and somebody to bounce ideas off of and and just um she always had an overwhelming sense of goodwill. And I mean, I cannot tell you it's time in my life. I've been mad at my mom. My dad and I wanted to rip each other's heads. He's, he's since passed, but he, he and I wanted to rip each other's heads off, you know, probably twice a week, every week. And, you know, and I still look up to him to this day more and more, but my mom and I have never in my life had a disagreement even, you know, and she just hurt. So I guess her overwhelming sense of just being a, a voice of reason and, um, calm you know inspiration I think was that was a huge huge person I looked up to um and then uh I don't know a lot of a lot of the friends around me I guess I I I took a lot of uh influence from and you know some are still around some of them are still close and some of them aren't but um I trying to take the best of everything and you know, I think that was more or less my mom just telling me to take, you know, the best advice from everybody. And, you know, if there's anything you don't like, try to stay away from that. And I don't know. That was, so I, I guess I'd say my mom in a word. Did you feel that you were kind of playing things safe, not a risk taker growing up? Yeah, um, that's kind of funny. Yeah, I, I really, you know, there was... There was an element that always wanted to, I think, be a risk taker or just kind of roll the dice. And, you know, there was a there was a sense of if you put out good and the world, good will come back to you. You know, I always had that. But I yeah, I more or less kind of kept it between the lines and didn't really uh, stray too far from what's left or right, which is funny because now it's the total opposite. But, yeah, I kept it pretty between the lines growing up for sure. I always ask myself that question because I'm like, should I have been a risk taker? I think I was playing things too safe. But then as I get older, I'm like, okay, I got to like roll the dice. I got to be like, I'm in Vegas, but not go too far, like gambling everything. I'm not going all in, but I always ask that question because getting into your career, you're going to be taking those risks and stuff. So it's like, Something changed over time where you kind of knew that you had to take it. And we're definitely going to talk about that. You t- Now your career, people know that you're a singer. Was college ever in those cards for you or you wanted to go straight into music? So a little bit of both. Um, when I was younger, I wanted to be an architect and go to Iowa State University, oh. which is a huge architectural school. And, uh, you know, I wanted to do something that was tangible and something good. Well, then as I got deep into the music stuff, there was absolutely no thought in my mind that I hated college. I hated the idea of it, didn't <laughs> want anything to do with it. But my dad never got to go. So he wanted me to go really bad. And even just I, I wound up going to a two-year tech school and got an associate's degree. But but the whole time I was fighting it tooth and nail. I didn't, um, there, when I was younger, yes, I absolutely wanted to go to college, but as I got older, I was, no, there's no way this is going to be what it'll be. And 
Um, if I don't make it with the music stuff, I'll do a blue collar job. I was a finished carpenter for three years and loved it. Um, but I just, yeah, uh, I'm, I was against college then. I'm kind of against it now in a lot of ways. I mean, especially considering it worked out, but, um, so far, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It was, I think, I think people always should just be welcome to change, you know, just because you, you've thought or been committed to something, you know, for a length of time doesn't mean that that's your only option. So I, that's kind of what I've learned out of changing career paths or changing ideals about that stuff. Was it more of the structure, like set, like with the music industry, you kind of have that creative freedom in a way with school. And I, when I went to college, it's like, you have to be here at this time. You have to do this. It's like, where's that opportunity where I can take what I'm learning, but feel that creative freedom while doing that. Absolutely. That's very, very well put. No, that's, that's exactly what it was. And I mean, you know, it's, I think it, it's not like a fight the man thing, but it is, yeah. it is a, a desire to not conform to whatever the societal norm is or the, um, yeah, the, the strict parameters of that versus, you know, if I want to write a song, I'll get up at four in the morning, you know, if I can't sleep or something and write a song and it doesn't matter. Like that's, that's what I can do. You know, it's, it's channeled chaos rather than, you know, structured uh, situations that, that store that college puts you in or whatever. So making that first transition into full-time being a singer, what was going through your mind? Were you nervous, excited? What was that feeling like? All of the above. Um, <laughs> it was 2020. Uh, I decided to do it right at the beginning of 2020. Uh, we'd gone into quarantine and I had, I had been a, a finished carpenter for three years and that first two months that March and April into, into quarantine, I was like, this is terrible. I was like, I, I lost all my shows and we had our whole summer booked out. We had a, we were rolling and we were doing really well. I was, I was able to balance both. And it's like, this is terrible. I lost my, I lost my fun job. I lost my creative job and, you know, and it was just carpentry stuff. And that got really, really mundane, really fast. And, um, I, I just decided, well, we're going to go on a stroke of luck here. If, if ev- everything falls apart, I can always come back or start farming or whatever. But if I can make it as a musician during 2020 and survive, I'll make it any year and survive. It was kind of my outlook on it. So just decided to go for the gills, started doing live streaming things and working on an album. And uh, I had a lot of great friends. I mean, that were you know, producers and um, musicians that were really, really talented. And we just decided, you know, no one can do anything. So let's try to do something, you know, and whatever we can get away with, we we will do it. With, you know, the Midwest, it was starting to crack open a lot before the coast and stuff like that. So by June, we could actually have some shows and things loosened up before they got shut down again. But yeah, so we, we just we scraped by a little bit and it was good. It was the most formative thing that we ever did. Looking at that first song you wrote, Mm -hmm. what was the topic? What was it called? And do you feel that that was a representation of what you thought your music lyrics would be like going forward? Oh man, the very first song I ever wrote. Very first one. Cause it's a lot different to think about the first one to the, the latest one and how it's changed and how oh you grow throughout that journey. 
That's crazy. I actually do remember it. Um, I remember the first two, actually. The first one was about a girl. And, you know, because you know so much about that in seventh grade. Um, but uh, it's actually kind of funny. I, I wound up a lot closer to that now than I was, you know, in the middle. Um, when I started, I was a really big fan of Blake Shelton and Brantley Gilbert and guys like that. In country music, I had just gotten into that because I was like, oh, this is kind of rockier you know, versus like common rock radio then was Three Days Grace and um, a lot of the heavier industrial commercialized rock rather than the rock bands in the 70s, which is what I liked. Mm -hmm. um, so it was funny. Uh, I, I remember that one was a song about a girl titled after a girl. And, uh, <laughs> and then the next one was called like Highway to Nowhere, but I spelled nowhere K-N-O-W thinking I was being clever, you know, because Kansas did that a million times in the 70s. And, <laughs> and it was just, it was so stupid. But, but it, yeah, that was, it, it kind of started from like a roots rock, heartland rock kind of vibe. And then I wound up through the years, I started trying to write some edgier stuff and then got into grunge. So then I wound up writing a bunch of grunge stuff and then, um I owned a hard rock band for a couple of years during high school and so I was writing you know kind of that three days grace rock type stuff and then I wound up and I completely broke out of it like I can't you know this isn't the kind of music I want to make anymore so I went full-blown country with it and I mean full-blown but figured I'd do like the outlaw country rock and roll type stuff and that's right where I landed now so it was different um but I but it, it's kind of cool to look back and reflect at that now that you bring it up and thinking a lot of, a lot of the roots ideas and the ways that I write songs are still very, very similar to how it started. So I, I think kind of made the full 360 with it. So it's kind of interesting, actually. Do you feel it's easier to write songs that have like a meaning or a theme that you have related to you instead of making something up that you can't really connect to? Yep. I always uh, actually, uh, and this is kind of what it's the bane of the existence for most of like my, uh, my publicist always and a bunch of different people, they want me to write with a lot of different artists, which is awesome. And I love doing that. Um, but I kind of like writing for other artists more than I like writing for me with other artists. Uh, because I get really, really personal with songs. I just, every song that I've written and recorded and we wound up, we, we pulled all of our music just to kind of rebrand and reset. we're halfway through that right now. We're going to re be releasing a single really, really soon here before uh, either right before the end of the year or for the very first of the new year. Um, but uh, I, every song that I've written or played or performed that are my songs are something I've lived to a degree, uh, whether it be a verbatim story of something that happened or whether you embellish a little bit, but it's derivative of an actual experience. So um, I, I always make sure to at least put enough of actual, it happened in there. And I kind of, I kind of pity, not like in a look uh, condescending nature, but I really look uh, pity that like a lot of young artists that are like, you know, in their early teens and stuff like that, and they get thrust into a goal of stardom or in, in a role of stardom. And I always said, like, they didn't live anything yet, though. They didn't have yeah. a chance to go out and live anything yet. So their stories might be cool, but, you know, they didn't live it. And so that I made sure to do a lot of living in a short amount of time so that I could optimize, you know, my stories, but also, you know, take advantage of being younger as well. So, 
yeah, I always try to make sure they come from actual stories. You bring up such a great point where it's like these teenagers are talking about relationships and things like that. And I'm like, there is no way this is what happened in your relationship. Right. You're watching some soap opera movie that is talking about this stuff. And right. saying, oh yeah, I lived this at 13. It's like, I wasn't even do. I was just trying to play on a baseball team at 13. I don't even know anything about this stuff. Right. Yeah. I was playing video games. It's just horrible where it's like, I think a lot of nowadays fans can really know if that artist can connect to what they're talking about. Right. I think it's, I mean, then Twitter goes crazy and they're like dissecting every line and stuff, but you really can tell based on them talking about the song, how much it means to them. And even when they're singing it, and I feel like as a listener of music, that's what I like in an artist. They are talking about something real and authentic because there's so many people that can relate to it. Right, exactly. And I've found the more personal, the more um, eidetic to your story it is, the more it's relatable, ironically enough. I mean, I wrote a song about my dad passing and I'd made a I made it exactly to his situation and his whole life and everything like that and everyone's like oh my god that was my dad I mean he didn't drive a 73 Kawasaki as a drag bike but like I know exactly what you're talking about and it's it's crazy the more personal you make a song or the more you feel a song the more people feel you so I just try to not manufacture anything as a habit too because yeah I mean you know and yeah you'll get you'll get a lot of kicks out of a lot of songs um, through the years and everything like that anyways but overall it is it is kind of interesting just to listen to these younger artists and and god bless them you know <laughs> broke, but uh you know they I, I drove here i drove there it's like you didn't have a driver's license so no you didn't <laughs> your mom and dad were driving you everywhere <laughs> yeah exactly drop you off at the movies don't pick me up till six mom but yeah <laughs> You have a single out or recently going to come out called Whiskey Wears Off. Talk about the theme of that song and the lyrics and what is it about? Sure. Uh, It's, you know, I wound up um, writing this song, coming home at five in the morning from somewhere I shouldn't have been. And, uh, you know, basically wound up using that line. uh, I might not love you when the whiskey wears off. And I was like, man, that's a pretty good hook for a song, though, because I, I think a little bit of self-deprecation is healthy every now and again. I don't try to be the try to be the romantic hero uh, in a lot of my writing or songs or anything like that. And um, I don't know. It's it, it's a good song about, um, you know, waiting a long time for somebody to come around. And when they do uh, finally, you know, crest that hill you might not want that anymore. You know, you might've outgrown that. And basically it takes a little bit of liquid encouragement to even think about it. And so basically that's where the whole premise of the song is, but everything that that song talks about, or that song has actually happened for Radom. Uh, so that was that you listen to the song and take the lyrics. They're 110% literal. So just from that explanation of the song, there's so many people that can relate to that. There's right, so exactly. many people, and it's like that is such a good connection. Now, the big question is: Are you a whiskey fan? I am. Um, I'm actually kind of a, a a picky whiskey person about the sense of I really like what I like, and I really don't like what I don't like. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, it's, it's not the snob or connoisseur like a wino or anything like that, but it's like, uh, I really like Jameson and I, I like a lot of, um, small distilleries wind up always having a bunch of really good whiskeys. Um, one of my favorite ones is from Bancroft, Iowa. They have a distiller there, uh, and it's Sir Winston Peach. They're awesome. They're, they're great. Um, private first class is another one of my favorite ones. I'm a huge whiskey fan. Um, but yeah, like Jack Daniels, I can't touch it. It makes me fighty and, uh, <laughs> it's not good for me. And I don't usually remember a whole lot. So I just try to stay away from that one anymore, but yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm definitely a fan of whiskey. Something that listeners might be surprised with about what I'm about to say is you do something that a lot of musicians don't do at all. And you use a platform called OnlyFans as a <laughs> fan club. And a lot of people that are going to listen to me saying that, they're going to be like, no, th- you're lying. Talk about the idea that like, I'm going to use this yeah. platform that has a completely different theme, usually with the content. Right. So you're trying to showcase it in a different light. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so ironically, uh, I kind of got the idea from a comedian musician named Wheeler Walker Jr., um, who dropped his whole album on an adult website. And I just <laughs> thought it was hilarious that he did that. And then they asked him why he did it. And he goes, everyone's on there anyways. And they're going <laughs> to click on it. And they're just, no one wants to admit that they found out about me that way. But he goes, they, you know, they're there. So they're going to click on the weird random cartoon guy or something like that. That's wearing a cowboy hat just to look at it. And he goes, and that's a huge platform that no one's tapped. Well, my, my team was talking to me about doing a fan club. They're like, we should do a Patreon. We should do something like that. And I was like, all right, I'll try it for a fan club. And I got on Patreon and I was like, well, this is okay. And it was, it was a little difficult for me to use because I'm kind of a tech knot with, some, with a lot of things. And I was like, screw it. Why don't we do an OnlyFans? Like, wouldn't it just be <laughs> hilarious? Because that's actually what it started as. You know, it, the, the whole platform started before they retrofit it in 2020 was started as a way for celebrities or artists, sports people to get in touch with their fans and give them exclusive content until exclusive content took on a new (laughs) connotation. But I I just thought it's hilarious. And I said, screw it. Well, one of two things will happen. Either they'll figure out that it's actually a fan club, like a legitimate fan club and they'll sign on to it and they'll get a kick out of it. Uh, or they'll think I have an OnlyFans and they'll subscribe to see that. And either way, I'll get the subscription and then maybe you'll make a fan out of it. So um, there's a there's a headboard on it that has uh, my face crudely posted on Burt Reynolds laying on a bearskin rug. Oh, yeah. And so I was like, this is perfect. This is, you know, setting the tone. And I'm, I'm just a down-to-earth guy. I don't really take anything too seriously. Uh, so I thought only fans would be not only the funniest for me, um, but I thought the fans might get a kick out of it too. And it has, you know, I already dropped the new single on my only fans. So if anyone wants to listen to it now, you go subscribe to that and you can access <laughs> the new single already. Um, and there's no way to download it. Just don't even try to figure it out because I'm sure there's not, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> And then uh, it has a merch store discount code that anyone can use 15% off on the whole order or anything like that. But I just, I thought it was hilarious. And at first they kind of look at me when I asked, I was like, why are we doing OnlyFans? And they're like, what? And I was like, no, 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 not that kind of OnlyFans. Just, I thought it'd be funny. Honestly, (laughs) it was 
was most of it. And it's an untapped market. And I think it's kind of smart, you know, for now anyways, well, it still has that identity of being, uh, you know, a bad website. It's a smart branding. I'm saying I'm like, even when you mentioned uh, the comedian singer where he did that, it's like, it's smart branding because literally you are doing what is it's called only fans, right? It's bringing a group of fans to see even more because you can put it out on Instagram, but you're going to have a bunch of people that aren't really fans looking at it. You want people that care and they're like, When's the next song? When's the next merch drop? And then right. that out. So I just think it's a smart strategy. I think a lot of people aren't utilizing that way because it has such a negative thing right. about it. But right. and again, it's so funny. I, I had a, your own. Yeah, I had older people subscribe. They created <laughs> OnlyFans. I mean, people in their sixties and stuff that would make an OnlyFans just to go subscribe to me. And who knows what kind of stuff would be right next to me, but didn't really matter. I just thought it was funny and I'd get a good gag out of it. And plus we got, a, we have a t-shirt out that says country band with only fans. And we, we had made that up forever ago. Cause a buddy of ours called Paul Coffin. He has a t-shirt that says country band. With and we just got a kick out of it. We're like, screw it. We're country band with only fans. So that's <laughs> my bass player had said that he goes like, let's make it only fans. We were joking about it. Like doing like a naked podcast or something like that. That would just be, you know, and, have like newspapers or placements or something like that. So you wouldn't see anything. We just thought it'd be funny. So we made the t-shirt. Well, then someone brought it up and they're like, what do you have an OnlyFans? And I was like, nah, but that'd be pretty good. Wouldn't it? So yeah, that's what we just ran with it. All right. You've had the opportunity to play with some big names in the music industry. Talk about the experience of a lifetime doing that. Sure. Um, it's always 50, 50 is what I tell everybody. Um, half of them are the greatest people that you've met in your entire life. And they are some of the most charitable, wonderful folks. And they give you the best advice and they are just there to make sure everyone has a great day. The other half are dicks and, uh, (laughs) and you get just as much out of each experience because if you, you know, you play with the great guys and inspires you to be that guy or that girl. And if you play with the, play with a dickhead, then you wind up uh, wanting to do better and wanting to be better than them, put on a better show than them just because, you know, it's gone. It hasn't gone to your head the way it has theirs. And, but um, I, I typically don't like to share who's the bad ones unless you see me at a bar and I've been having a couple of whiskeys <laughs> and tell you everything. Um, but Ashley McBride, Brantley Gilbert are like two of the most amazing folks that we've ever played with the nicest, nicest, most down to earth people. Brantley like still helps his merch guy pack up his merchandise and stuff like that. I mean, just the dude has not, uh, he is the real deal. He's a genuine article. Um, Tracy bird, same way. He's a legend. Uh, and he's, you know, those guys were offering us guitar strings and like, just to, you know, if you guys need anything, you know, whatever you need, just come knock on the bus door or whatever, you know, we got you. And then, uh, same co Wetzel and his camp, they're rambunctious as hell, but they're, they're all good friends of ours. And uh, it's just, it's crazy. So a lot of them, you know, it, it is a really awesome experience and that's, that's always the the most fun show. And, and the thing is people come to those shows. I mean, they come to every show to have fun, but they especially come to those shows expecting to have a good time. So when you put on your best that you can 
um, they're there to receive it the best. You don't have to win them over near as much. So it's, it's kind of nice in that sense too. Do you have a dream collab that you, if that opportunity came to you, you would say mm-hmm. yes to? Uh, yes. And I can't think of it. Um, cause I've thought <laughs> about it. Um, I mean, as far as like modern artists that we, that we could do a collab with, I mean, I'd love to work with Lainey Wilson or, uh, a bunch of different, as, as far as like female artists goes, Ashley and Lainey are awesome people, um, that are in our wheelhouse right now. Um, I don't know. It's just, I think it, I think it'd be fun to, to get in with it, like a heavy rock dude or something like that too, or maybe whiskey Myers would be a cool one too. Um, but you know, as far as what would be a unique one, um, it's failing me, but if I think of it, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. I would, I guess as a cop, I'd say Lanier, Lanier Ashley would be awesome to work with. Is there a place that, are you traveling a lot for concerts and stuff? Are you trying to stay local in like a certain region or how does that schedule go about for you? So we're booked out. We're, we're based out of Nashville right now. And over the last six months, we've been working on a record and kind of chipping away at some getting, you know, our feet wet around here and trying to take the most of this experience here. But in the new year, we affirmatively will be touring a lot around the whole United States that's the plan. We we're kind of making some changes right now that are for the better of us. And, uh, you know, we've kind of been, we've been associated with some different folks that are amazing for our career and some folks that weren't, and we're kind of breaking some of the, some of the bad ones. And, uh, we're starting fresh with a lot, a lot of things. And it's been very refreshing to look forward to the new year. I'll say that for sure. So, um, we're, uh, we're actually looking at a new uh, tour rig right now, and we're looking to get out as soon as the new year starts. We already got a couple shows booked, so it's been fun. We got a we got a plan for single releases through the next year. We've kind of been holding back on that for the last year, so uh, expect a lot of new music and a lot of new dates in 2023 for sure. Was it easy or hard to make the transition from Iowa to Nashville? Um. It was it was both in a lot of different ways. It was easy in the sense that this is the only place that so many of these connections and opportunities happen. And this is the easiest place for a musician to get along um, in the sense of not not necessarily financially or um, for fame. But like as a musician, you're surrounded by other musicians that have a lot of different good ideas. And you take the city at you know its core, not just its face value. There's a lot of fantastic opportunities that you have here that you won't have anywhere else. It was terrible because I had to leave my mom and my dog back in Iowa because of traveling and things like that. And all my, all my friends that I've had my whole life, which happens with everybody, but I mean, I still try to go back. I've been back probably five times since I moved in April. So, I mean, it's, it's been really, it's, it's not that hard to hop on a plane and catch a flight back there. It's super, super easy. And, there's a direct flight from Nashville into an hour north of where I'm from. So it's, um, I'll catch that one a lot. So it, it's, but it's, it was difficult. Um, I kind of have it on two, two gears though, too. And every time I go home, uh, I'm thinking about home stuff. I'm thinking about the farm and I'm thinking about everything else and I'm not focused on music at all. And then I come back here and I get into work mode. So it's nice to have those two differences too. And it's an affirmation that I do need to be here. 
We talked about your career, but getting more personal, what's something fun you like to do nowadays? When you're not working, what do you like to do? Uh, I'm definitely, I like riding motorcycles, man. That's kind of one of my bigger things that I like to do. Um, it's been, it's been a crazy year. I haven't got to do it near as much as I've wanted to in the past, even in the past couple of years, um, just trying to get a lot of things going, but, um, I like riding with a lot of buddies and, um, I don't know. I like shooting guns. Um, not necessarily hunting all the time, but I used to be a big hunter when I was in high school and stuff. I just really don't have the time to put the put the best foot forward and do it right as much anymore uh especially not being back in iowa plan on, on going hunting a couple times back home but really like target shooting and stuff like that i'm a big fan of that um i don't know kind of work too man being a gearhead and, um you know talking about old cars and talking about old trucks and stuff like that I'm, I'm really into that too so um that's yeah that's kind of what's been fun for me other than like obvious things like my buddies always go boating out here obviously love doing that but I mean who doesn't so <laughs> I was gonna say you wake up at 4 a.m to write songs you might as well just go out hunting at that yeah, time <laughs> exactly yep, might as well go right after yep well I was thinking when you mentioned like motorcycle boating gears and stuff like that I'm like I'm looking at your shirt that said the NHRA I'm like oh yeah okay yeah. that I I know where he's going with it because usually yeah. you can tell a lot about a person with just the logos and shirts I mean yeah yeah I'm wearing something I don't even remember it's uh Tommy something it's a golfer I or Greg, okay. Greg Norman like oh yeah I'm like I can't even tell you what I'm wearing so <laughs> But I you love golfing too, though. Actually, I do love golfing whenever I get the chance to go out. It's it's more of an excuse just to drink on a Sunday, but uh, for me, yeah, <laughs> I love it. Love that. If I got better at golfing, I mean, my kind of place is top golf than actually on the golf course. Because if you have if you're a house on a golf course, you might as well get your insurance card out because I'm hitting the window. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got them diamond plate windows, man. That's they have to. They bounce balls off them all day. That's I mean, they just it's it's hectic out there. I couldn't sit on the patio, just catch them in the head all day. <laughs> The final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge? The biggest thing that I've told everybody and the thing that I've come to learn and I have to challenge myself to every day, don't compare your journey to others. Yep. Go at your own pace and don't worry. It doesn't mean you have to put blinders on. Let it be your motivation. Let it be, you know, someone else. But just because some kid might have hit it at 16, you know, and all of a sudden they're a superstar doesn't mean you're inadequate, doesn't mean you're incapable. Uh, Just because, you know, somebody wrote something this week or put out a song that's amazing or someone did a better job acting or whatever you're doing in your life. Someone got the job before you were better than you or doesn't matter it was only supposed to happen at the right rate for you and you know there everything I be, I'm a firm believer that everything has a purpose everything has a it doesn't necessarily have to be a divine intervention or destiny but everything every step you make and every avenue that you are exposed to has a purpose has a has a better reason so not comparing yourself to others um comparison is the thief of joy is what my buddy always says and that's the simplest way to put it so um in order to persist and continue to drive you know that's what everybody tells you is yeah, just keep working keep hustling keep thriving and grinding yeah but in order to do that don't compare your journey that's my biggest piece of advice 
Well, Dane, I want to thank you so much for coming to the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people, and we are excited to see what the future looks like for you. Thank you very much, Alex. Talk to you again sometime soon, man. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms, and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the full-length episode in video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.